those guys that weren't stupid. Like played honest, fought the like fought like everyone respected them. You didn't fuck around with them, but they didn't go around slashing guys like stupid. You know, like they're they're fair. What happened? What's your draft story leading up to when you got picked? I was I knew I was going. I just didn't know where. And then uh, so I was just happy to get it over with. There's a long like it's a long lead up to the draft, and it's a long season too. Wondering where you're going to go or how it's going to end up. A good friend of mine is Paul Beastinet. You know. Obviously, he's everywhere right now. You know, I just want to know a little bit about him. You had him, Whitney, Yandel, Doan. Like, what a locker room. They just shoot the shit, and it's like sitting in the locker room again. So it's fun to listen to them, and I think that's why they're so popular. They're just being themselves, and they're cool dudes when they played, and they're cool dudes now. Booyah, and it's time for the Game Sports Show. It is your host, David McCaig Jr., bringing you yet another special edition upload powered by the Game Entertainment Media and presented by the Game Sports Show. Thanks for tuning in. Wherever you're listening, make sure you're subscribed, following, and liking the video or audio versions of our content from the TGEM YouTube channel to wherever you get your podcasts, such as Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and much more. Now, getting to your co-host, joining yours truly for tonight's upload, former professional hockey player of over 1,000 games. You know him by now. He's a hockey analyst for TGEM and the Game Sports Show. Brennan Brooks. Brooksy, how's it going, pal? It's going real good. It's nice to be back. Got a great guest, uh, old teammate, so uh, really looking forward to the show today. Definitely. Every show is great, but this one's great in terms of you two being ex-teammates. Uh, that I just actually learned that before we recorded, so that makes it even more spicier. Now, getting to our The Sport Displays and Flawless Roofing Special Edition guest. Actually, hold that thought. Are you looking for a way to show off that memorable sports item? Preferably a jersey? just like how I like to show off my John Tavares Toronto Maple Leaf jersey, well, look no further than the Sport Displays jersey mount. It's easy to put up, and it's easy to take down, and it looks nice on your wall. Perfect for your office, perfect for your cave, perfect for your garage, perfect anywhere. Plus, they offer great fundraising opportunities for your sports teams. You can check them out on their website, thesportdisplays.com. Getting to our The Sport Displays and Flawless Roofing Special Edition guest, a Canadian professional hockey player who was drafted in the fourth round, 127th overall, by the St. Louis Blues in the 2003 NHL Draft. He played four years in the QMJHL, uh, and this guest also played for the U18s for Canada and won a gold medal. He has played in 701 professional games between the East Coast, the American Hockey League, the NHL, the KHL, the Dell, the EIHL, and LNAH. Uh, out of the, these games, he's played 65 games that were in the National Hockey League for the Vancouver Canucks and the Arizona Coyotes with three playoff games with those Canucks. Now, this guest was defined as a forward who was aggressive style and had good two-way skills. He has been a captain in the American Hockey League. He's been an alternate captain in Europe. And in 2020, our guest decided to call it a career. Now, currently, as per uh, his, our guest's social media pages, he is the owner of Ace Athletic Club and was born and raised in Montreal. Now, without further ado, Let's bring him in and welcome him to the show. Alex Bolduc. Alex, how's it going, my friend? Hey, guys. Good, good. Yourself? Doing great. You know, very happy to have you on. And as Brooksy said, it's great to have people come on here, tell their stories about the game, and just to shoot the shit back and forth. And especially when someone's an ex-teammate of this guy. Yeah. yeah I'm sure there's some stuff you guys can get into. That's uh, going back a lot of years. That's going to go <laughs> oh, back yeah, a lot of years. <laughs> if I can remember anything. 
<laughs> now I want to get into first right off the hop. I want to talk about your business. Okay. I love when I have, or we love, I should say, is when we have guests on that are just doing their own side after hockey. Now doing something, a part of the game, if it's med- mental health advocation, if it's uh, Ted talks, if it's running training businesses, if it's coaching, scouting, whatever it may be. And I did creep uh, your Instagram page for your business, as well as obviously uh, seeing what you do, obviously doing that athletic and ACE athletic. I want you to get into it uh, and let our listeners know what is that? How did that start? Uh, man, it started, I was still playing. It started in 2014. So I was, me and my buddies here is uh, me, Corey Crawford, Mark Herchabees and Greg Moore. So all childhood advice grew up together. And like our town was pretty small. It was Shattuck, Quebec, south side of Montreal. And um, so we were training in this, in this like big uh, cookie cutter gym. And honestly, by the time Corey and I started getting drafted to junior and then the NHL, we were, spending half our time explaining to people why we weren't in the NHL yet, or like explaining what went wrong last season or why, what, what, what would go right next season. So I felt these three hour workouts, you know, we're really training for 30, 40 minutes. And after years of doing this, I told, like kind of talked to him and I was like, dude, we got, I got to figure something else out. And um, so then I started looking around, found a building that was abandoned and um, long story short, uh, Ace Athletic was born. So, Opened in 2014, and uh, yeah, I've been running it. Uh, you know, I had partners running it while I was playing, and then now I'm, uh, you know, head and uh, head and shoulders in there. So, what drove your passion to do this? Obviously, you know, it, it's got a spark, and you were definitely doing training when you were playing. And speaking of training, I'm sure we'll get into this, but training has evolved, especially for the game of hockey and all sports, right? It's completely different. I'm sure since when I was doing training or when you and Brooksy were doing training at the levels you guys were at, but what sparked your passion overall to get this, get this going in 2014? Yeah, it was just, I, I felt uh, my town being, uh, wasn't competing with the other towns around us. I felt like so hmm. I thought, so originally my plan was to make a gym just for athletes. Um, so after maybe a year of that, you know, quickly, uh, we quickly realized that it wasn't going to be financially like viable to keep going that way. So then we opened up our doors to everyone and became a, an average gym for the average Joe. So uh, just more, more geared towards athletes, but now kind of catered to everyone. So the, the mantra has always been athletes, but you know, now it's like open and, uh, you know, we've catered to all levels now and it's pretty cool. And, uh, yeah, we're making it uh, pretty fitness for everyone. And it's, uh, it's an awesome thing going. See, Brooksy, before I, I go over to you to chime into this topic a little bit, I want to touch on the point that I just said before I forget the training today in comparison to what it was. So obviously when you were playing the game, you trained away. I remember there being a lot of deadlifts, a lot of bench pressing, a certain amount, a lot of power, right? In hockey, if you look at every hockey player, uh, I'll be honest, thick, thick legs, thick ass, right? That That is the hockey player lower body is we are built for power from lower working our way up. Uh, and despite how you are built up here, that can actually determine how you are as a player. If you're a playmaker, power forward, how tall you are, etc. But the training used to be so much of that power and running. Like I remember running 
uh, through there's a local high school here called White Pine just to run the track and you have to do it within a certain time within five laps. Now I'm hearing from friends that are in the National Hockey League, such as Colin Miller uh, and those guys saying swimming, you know, rest in the summer now is even more some Pilates, yoga, strengthening and more so less than bulking. It's more of that strength and maintaining. So obviously I want to I discuss what your approach is with working with levels uh, of athletes at different tiers and how you think the game has changed from what it was to what it is today in terms of how you're supposed to prepare for a season or during the season. Is that for Brooksy or for me? You're talking to me, yeah? Talking to you, yeah, that's for you. Yeah. I, I butted in front of Brooksy on this point. Uh, yeah, you know what? It's funny you say that because, man, I, and I, I as, as you were talking, I was like, it made me think of Russia where maybe the training methods of maybe when I was playing, but when I was in Russia, they were back like, 30 years ago you know like those like 10 hour days like three a days it was like you know all the horror stories of russia were so true and then the guy i had the coach i had there was like so old school and it was awful and like i think i ended up in one of the worst spots with that coach like just it, the, that training camp was one of the toughest things i ever had to do in my life and it was mid-july while all my boys are here like having a great time like and then I just remembered, I was like, what? It was July 1st, and I think I was in Russia, and I was like, what is going on, man? <laughs> and, uh, so anyways, back to the training question. Um, yeah, I think I'm way more geared towards now training athletes with not as heavy loads, like not a lot of deadlifts. Not, I, I, I truly believe, and this was Manny Malholcha kind of, I learned a lot from him when uh, I was playing with him in Vancouver. He never touched weights. He did so much like stretching and a lot of groin stuff and he was telling me like towards the end of his career, he never lifted weights at all. And he was one of the best in shape by a mile at camp And the Sedins. I don't think lifted that heavy too. Like there's a lot of guys that were maybe a bit advanced at the time and uh, that weren't touching a lot of weights. I, I just think it's, you're putting a lot of stress on your body. I'm not saying like heavy squats are bad, but it's a lot of stress on the back. And it, so I think those guys were just ahead of the game a bit. And uh, I, I'm a big believer in functionality and hip mobility now and teaching that. And uh, I'm like, my hip movement and my hip mobility stuff right now is way better than when I was playing. So it's just something I focus on now a little bit more and try and teach it to the, especially the young kids, you know, the old guys are pretty set in their ways, but um, the young kids, I, I teach it a lot more now and stuff like that. Yeah. What a difference it would be, you know, for, you know, like you and I training that other way to how it is yeah, now. Like, yeah, I feel I, like it would be so different. Like, you know, you're a big guy and you could skate too. And I could yeah. only imagine how much better you would be doing that if we were able to, you know, do what we've learned now, the way that training is. It's just, it's so like, you know, like you said with Russia, like how crazy that is. It makes playing hockey miserable. Yeah, I did. Yeah, it was awful. I mean, yeah. I mean, the paycheck was one thing, but that, after that was like, all right, I don't know how long I could do this for. See, we've heard a lot of stories, and I know we're going to get into Russia towards the end. I told Brooksy he can have that topic, but it's the 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 overall training. I feel like swimming was one that really makes me think now because in the waters, like why would swimming help, right? But when you think back, it's like, okay, you're going end to end cardio. You know, you're you're not using weights that are going to be strenuous on your body. It's, yeah, that's a big one. Yeah. It's it's muscle that that you're working the muscles the appropriate way. Running yeah. in sprints, hard on the knees, right? It, it's hard on the knees. Why not do some more long distance jogging or you know the maybe some more plyometric stuff like that? It, it's just 
the evolution, even as Brooksy just said, it's so amazing how it's changed. And it'd be interesting to see how guys like yourself and Brooksy, or even some of the guys that are retired that we know, Brooksy, that how the, it would change their game. And even some guys that are playing now that are older. You said it just a few moments ago, Alex, that some of the senior guys, and I don't mean old guys like 60s, the guys that are in their mid-30s are still playing. They're set on their ways, right? Whatever worked then, there's kind of yeah. stuff doing now. Uh, guys like I used as an example, like Colin Miller, for example, there's a guy who's closer to my age, 30, 31, and he's able to transition to that new kind of adapt because he's not too late in his career. Is that yeah. what you say? Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, like, it's so funny. My last – well, I played till I was 40, which is crazy. <laughs> but uh, – you know, my last five years of training, I was swimming in the summers like crazy. Mm. And what a difference. I felt like I was in better shape conditioning wise. Uh, my breathing, it was just such a different, you know, outlook where I was like, man, I wish I did this years and years before. Were you a good swimmer before, though, or did you just get into it? Like, I'm not a good swimmer. I don't think I could go swim for longer than three minutes. Like, I don't. I don't see myself. Yeah, well, doing that. you know what? I, I grew up swimming, you know what I mean? Just you know, I grew up with a pool and all that stuff. Yeah. So, you know, what I mean, I that definitely helped me. And uh but what I'm saying is like, you know, say you have that struggle and you can't swim for three, but then if you continue to do it, you're gonna be doing it for 10, 15. Yeah, minutes. yeah, yeah, like, yeah. That's yeah. the whole thing. Yeah. Eventually. As long as you know how to, you know, swim and you can Yeah, I guess you can learn. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> There's like a nice technique I find you have to learn there to get that long distance, you know? Yeah. So now I, just a few more points about ACE before we get into the second topic. Do you have any packages that you can kind of promote about ACE to, to our listeners or how people can search it, stuff that you offer? Do you offer virtual options for workouts, stuff like that? Yeah, you know what? We, we got a good uh, Christmas deal, anyone that's uh, in the Montreal area. Um, but ACE Athletic, uh, aceathleticgym.com, check out the website and you can uh, book everything through that now. We have like, uh, we're super uh, online friendly uh, Boot camps are really good, a strength of ours. And, uh, you know, everything from, um, you know, the most beginner uh, trained to we got uh, deadlift platforms to the most uh, expert weightlifters. You know, we got a nice range in there. And we got a good family community that we're really trying to push. So come on out. Definitely. Check that out on social Thanks, guys. I want to make sure I give you that first point. Thanks. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Definitely. <laughs> well, now we can, uh, yeah, well, now we can get into, you know, why you're here, you know, like talking about your hockey days and where it all yeah, began, yeah. you know. You had a, a really good junior career. You had, you know, f you spent four years, you know, you had great numbers. You were in Rowan Naranda Huskies, I think. Yeah. And then uh, you joined the Shawinigan Cataracts. So for the last half, of your last year you won a gold medal as well for the under 18s just talk a little bit about that experience there in junior yeah well you know what um 16 17 18 was all really fun in ruin randa i got that gold medal at, a, at 17 um but uh 19 year old that year i got traded you know it was a kind of a shitty year for me uh not getting along with that coach there andre Tourney. i did not get along well with him the only real coach in my career that I didn't uh, get along well with and uh, got traded at Christmas that year. And uh, to it, like my team was contending, you know, it was not a good trade. It wasn't like a happy, it was an insult trade. Like they didn't believe in me. They thought I was awful. They, they were trying to get rid of me um, to a contender, to a division. Per, like, you know, so there's no more slap in the face when your team just says like, here, man, we're going to give you to a division rival. Um, so I was happy, you know, 
get that was a learning curve in my career and everything. I'm happy I went through it. But uh I don't know. I mixed it you know, like mixed feelings on my the junior days because that's kind of how it ended for me. So you know, 16 drafting the first round of junior was amazing. I that was a, a family thing, you know, that you know I got to share. It was in Montreal, I went seventh overall. Um man, we got we end up getting the draft. They're they're already at the fourth pick. So I'm really happy I never went earlier than that. Um and then like my family was there. And um that was an awesome. So 16, 17, 18 was great. You know, a lot of memories in Ruinaranda and then uh a shitty little end to it, but a good learning thing, uh all in on junior. Yeah, it's just it's so crazy, you know, when you have a coach that you just, you know, I mean, obviously I we played a long time, you and I, and you have yeah. coaches that that love you, and then you got some that just don't, they ride you and you can't figure it out. Oh, you have a great year, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? You're not getting any ice time, and you just can't figure it out. And uh, you know, it's just crazy. So my question is, you know, when you're in junior, you know, was there anyone that really influenced you to help you get to that next level that really like changed your game? to really, you know, set you apart to, you know, make that move to the, the next levels? Well, man, I, I guess it's weird, but I, if I had to choose, it'd probably be that coach because he came on at my, then halfway through my 17-year-old year and I was playing the point on the power play before he got there. Um, I was, like, running a lot of shit, and I, I, I was really, really offensive, more offensive than defensive. So he got there and without really even seeing me play, he said, you're way too young to be manning the power play. You're off the power play. We're going to make you into a penalty killer. So I guess in this weird twisted way, as much as I hated him, because I was like, who wants to get taken off the power play and made into a defensive forward? Not me. Like, that's not cool, man. Like, you know, it's everyone wants to score. Everyone wants to be on the power play. So, uh, so that's how it started. And then uh, never really smoothed out after that. But I guess that transition into having to, learn the PK and learning to and play against Crosby and all that. You guess he, he trusts me more playing against like the top end guys than uh, playing power play. So see the outlook is I know the one, the outlook is when you have that speed a little bit, you're that two way forward. You can think of guys that Brooksy and I know even from the Sioux Tyler Kennedy is a good example of one, a guy that really just would work is a, that's a penalty kill guy. In junior, he scored a lot of goals. He may not like me saying that right now, but he can message me and share me if he wants. Uh, the, he was a third-line penalty kill type guy. And those are the type of guys that win you championships, though. So there's always a plus side of looking at someone who does play a role in that. But when you're a guy that likes to just snipe, right, to have that adjustment, even if it's from junior to another team in junior or junior to the pros – it's yeah. a difficult adjustment and yeah, yeah. whole change. Yeah. Yeah. I'm happy. I went through it and everything, but it's crazy. You, as soon as you get pro every, even like the fourth line, fifth line guy had like a hundred goals of juniors. It felt like, I know like everyone had points and yeah, even tough guys, you know, I was like, well, this guy had 40 goals. He has 200 pins in the A. This guy had 40 goals in junior. And it's like, Everyone can score. So, yeah, you just have to find ways to separate yourselves, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Brooksy, you're always a sniper, though, eh? I don't think that's <laughs> change for well, you. Well, you know what? <laughs> I, I, I could score. You know, you know what? I could score. But you know what I wish? You know what I mean? Like Alex had said, like, finding that niche. Because I think in the time that we grew up, unless you were a super, superstar, you were so interchangeable. Oh, so, yeah. you know what I mean? You had to find, you know, like you said, you were a hell of a penalty killer. Because I remember when we played together, 
that, you know what I mean? You are penalty killing. You're like one of our top guys. So, you know what I mean? It's just goes to show you, you know, sometimes you got to find that niche, you know, and, you know, I, I never got to that point of really, truly finding, you know, my niche. Cause I was so fast. I could too score. much skill. That's what happens. <laughs> you have too much skill. I bet that's, but not, that's the, not the skill level, but not the skill level that is needed for that superstardom at that level. Do you know what I mean? Like at yeah. the NHL level, it's just so wild. Like I think I needed, I wish I worked on my defense a little bit more and I did penalty kill, but like, you know what I mean? For me, it was just like five on five hockey was my best for me. But you know, it's funny though, because it, you almost get penciled into, if you score too much early on, then you'll never be even looked at as a guy that like can switch. I remember Jaffrey in, in Manitoba would, score almost too much. He could play the fourth line. He was grind like he grinded. He was yeah. good. But they would almost call me up if fourth line guy went before him because he was like leading our team in scoring. He was like more known as a scorer. And I remember him like being like, what the fuck? Like getting upset that I was getting called up. Yeah. Rightfully so. I didn't complain, but he could play but he was almost just known as a scorer now. So they didn't call him up if a fourth line guy went down. You know, two, he was yeah, like you get two pigeonholed still. for sure. Yeah, exactly, pigeonholed as this thing, and then you, you know, what I mean, they don't realize. You know what I mean? All right, oh, yeah. he's that, he's this, whatever. Or they just want a cookie yeah, cutter that got hurt, or you know what they're replacing. Yeah. So, yeah, a lot of that happened. And I'm gonna use an example for a guy that plays now. It was like Mason Marchment or Carter Verhage. Like Carter Verhage plays on Florida. Um, who came from Toronto, went to Tampa. He lit up the American Hockey League. Then he goes to Tampa. He gets a chance. He was that guy scoring the American Hockey League, but they called him up, gave him a chance on the bottom line. He was PKing, but then he, I can't remember if it was a shorthanded goal or he made a good play, and then he got a chance on the top line. So that's a good point where you guys are saying that sometimes those guys that get those points just get a chance, get called up, get in the lineup. Mason Marchment's a guy, though, that's a two-way hard-nosed type yeah. guy. So that's a different player. But those are guys I use as an example to th- when I think of this because you got the you got the chance to get called up after being lights out in the american hockey league scoring goals they needed you like all right fine we'll call up this guy because he gets 100 points american hockey maybe he'll do something and he did right it's just giving that opportunity to players when it's deserved but yeah that worked out for you too because you know you you worked you were able to transition your game and you you mastered that craft to be able to be that expert two-way guy, aggressive guy that was able to kill penalties. And that's, that's a skill, you know, that's, that is a definite skill. And people nowadays look at speed. They think of somebody who can be offensive, but also think of yeah. somebody who can kill penalties, right? Cause yeah. you get side to side. You can really chase down the puck, put pressure on the D or whatever it is. Brooksy, remember Mike Brown? Was Mike Brown there when you were there? Oh yeah, he was. Oh yeah. He was like, yeah, remember he so went the league short on the goals that year? Oh man! Yeah, yeah. I, I, he you scored more in shorthanded than he scored regular. Like, oh yeah, he was. Uh, yeah, he was a real good example there for sure. Because he, you know what? I remember watching him, and everything he did was a hundred percent. Even in practice, I remember like he would, you know, he was always hitting guys so hard in practice. And he's a good guy that you I, that we're talking about transition. He turned into a tough guy. Like he he did what he had to do to stay up top. Like. Yeah. He, he's a college guy. It's not like he fought his way through junior, you know? So he, he learned to fight when he's turned pro, and he made a good career out of it. Toronto, San Jose. Yeah. He, uh, he fought some heavies, too. Yeah, he did. He did. He was a part of that transition in Toronto that had all those tough guys. The Colton, yeah, McLaren. McLaren. Yeah, yeah, those guys, yeah. man. That was a tough team. Oh, very tough team. What, Rose Hill? Rose Hill? Fuck. 
Jay Rosehill, former guest on the show too. There's someone who's talked about some fights. Toronto had some. He was a legit good fighter too. That guy, that Rosehill, respect guy though too. You know, didn't play that dirty. Like I like those guys that weren't stupid. Like played honest, fought the like fought like everyone respected them. You didn't fuck around with them, but they didn't go around slashing guys like stupid. You know, like they're they're fair. Yeah, they were, and they were. That's what actually Pierre Luc LeBlanc used as a reference. Where there's guys at a certain point in the game, they're trying to fight to stay up, and you're up three one or you're up four one. The final minute, no, you don't just waste your time. But then there's guys that say, okay, it's three three. That's set. That's set the tone. That's that's try to differentiate the momentum a little bit. Uh, or if it's the, the people know when they are enforcers or the guys the right time to fight. But there's guys that used to just pick it off for no reason. And I hear mixed references about Tom Wilson all the time, and. I really feel like that's a guy that <laughs> Ryan Reeves is probably a guy that if he played with the McLarens and he did because he's not that young. But, you know, when you think of Wilson and, and Reeves being the tougher guys in the league and you look back to the Brashears, the McSorleys, the, the Colt Norris, I know I think Reeves actually fought Colt Norris, but there's a little, it felt like it was a lot tougher then than it is now is kind of what I'm leaning towards. Yeah, yeah. Reeves is dying breed, that's for sure. Yeah, yes. Yeah, 100%. Well, Tom Wilson, you know, if we're going to talk about Tom Wilson, I'd take that guy on every single team I had. Oh, 100%. Yeah. I was, I was going to say that before. I love it. Like, dirty sometimes, but, man, I would take that guy on my team 1,000%. Yeah, especially with nowadays game. Now, there's a segment that we do on our show now that really caught on. It's called the draft stories. Hold that thought. You need to protect your investment from the start and at the top. And you can do this with Flawless Roofing SureSeal Incorporated. Flawless Roofing is based in Thunder Bay, Ontario, Canada and Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, Canada. Flawless Roofing is Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario's only certified EPDM roofers. Flawless Roofing has been in operation since 2012 and offers over 30 years experience in the business. Flawless Roofing offers solutions for both residential and commercial rooftops. You can check them out today at flawlessroofing.ca or give them a checkout on Facebook. Now, there's a segment that we do on our show now that really caught on. It's called the draft story. So now, the segment caught attention because of some certain stories that were shared. And now, despite someone's drafted or, or undrafted, we like to hear the story on how they made it to that next level. In the If it's American Hockey League, if it's in Europe or in the National Hockey League. Now, you were drafted. You were drafted in the fourth round. You were drafted by the St. Louis Blues. Now, you didn't ultimately play for St. Louis. You became a free agent. You signed the East Coast and worked your way up. But uh, sticking to the draft story, Story. Did you know it was going to be St. Louis? Were you at the draft? What happened? What's your draft story leading up to when you got picked? Um, yeah, it was in it was in Nashville. Uh, my whole family there. I was there. Yeah, um, it was kind of a. I didn't know. I was expected. I think to go between the second and the fourth round. Um, so I remember being uh, being there the first day and then it's a long day because you don't get drafted but you don't know so you're hoping but you're not expecting it so didn't happen that first day luckily it happened on the second um to st louis no didn't expect them to um draft me i didn't really have any idea so uh yeah that was that was pretty cool man uh man my dad was around that everything was yeah so did you have any did you have any meetings with teams prior or any calls or any phone calls? Were you surprised? Yeah, uh no, not surprised. I was during that whole year I did the top prospects game. I did I was ranked um pretty high early on. Um so I was always I was I was can't say I was expecting it, you never know, but I was I was, you know, did the top prospects, did the 
did the uh the fitness testing you know that only the top 40 go or something or what or i forget how many but you know it, it, i was i knew i was going i just didn't know where and then uh so i was just happy to get it over with there's a long like it's a long lead up to the draft and it's a long season too wondering where you're going to go or what, how it's going to end up so it was i was happy to get it over with and uh you know get to the first camp it was exciting yeah well i bet I bet. And that's probably an honor. You get that call. It's like, shit, everything that I worked for, you know, I got drafted, but now the real work starts, right? When you get yeah. drafted enough, do you make that team or what happens? And you ended up going the other route where you ended up getting that you signed as free agent, in the East coast and worked your way up. And I respect that so much with somebody that, you know, gets drafted and they aren't successful making the team they're drafted to. They become yeah. That was a bummer though, for real. Like, I bet. Being polite I bet. about it. Yeah. You're being polite. I like you, but you can say like, no, I had a shitty 19 year old year. I, I didn't really deserve the sign. Um, and, but it was, it was disappointing. Like more, I felt like to my family or like mostly to my dad, I, I felt like I let them down your fourth rounder, you know, technically I find you should sign. Um, so it was a bummer not to sign. And then it was all right. What now? So, uh, somehow ended up in Bakersfield. Um, <laughs> like, I don't even know. And I was, it was like, all right, one last kick at the bucket, like cool. Make $350 a week in playing in California. Um, go try it out and then uh you know ride out <laughs> ride out the pro, pro pro hockey dream as long as i can i don't care where i play but i was like for sure telling my boys we're going to cali like it sounded all right um so that's how it started bakersfield california yeah that's awesome that, that yeah. you worked your way up from the from there now i'll get into the nhl that's a good transition so yeah. you played 65 games between the canucks and the coyotes and it started in 0809 uh, and you know, lots of good players played for the Canucks and also for the Coyotes. There's so many names that we can mention. Okay. Now I, I'll probably mention some names shortly, but your first call up to the show, you get the call. What was that call? Where, how were you? Uh, <laughs> yeah. I haven't told the story in a while, you know? <laughs> um, I remember we were in Winnipeg and we were just, we were at the fitness center. It wasn't at the arena. So we were at, um, like a little workout area or gym, like a big fitness center or whatever. And uh, my coach, Scotty Arneal, goes, uh, calls me like a side. And I go, what's up? He goes, hey, you're growing up. And I go, cool, like, thanks. I appreciate you saying I'm I'm growing up. I thought that's what he said, like I'm maturing. <laughs> so I go, okay, he's like, weird that you're calling me over telling me I'm growing up. No, he goes, you're going up. I go, oh, fuck, like, up? He goes, yeah, you got like 30 minutes to get your shit and get to the airport. Uh, I think he said it nicer than that, but, um, <laughs> so that's why I took it. So I tear home. I remember uh, packing, whatever, racing to the airport. I think I put my car in short term. Um, and then yeah, on the flight playing Calgary the next night. Yeah. See that. That's so cool. And you probably, you put that Jersey on. Okay. You play your first shift. How did you get, the, did you have to do the solo lap? Did they make you do a solo lap? No, I don't think they did. They didn't make you a solo lap? Or unless I blocked it on my memory, but I don't think I did. <laughs> <laughs> so the first assist. They got me even when I played in Montreal, though. I, they got me for that like when I played. Uh, that was like my fifth game. Um, oh, okay. It was in Montreal, but that's when they got That's what I remember them getting me. Because yeah. that's your hometown. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah now, yeah. first, your first assist. Can you recall that? Uh, fuck, there's only like two, right? Three? No, oh, was I was going to say if it was a primary assist, like made a back behind the back pass. Oh, was it? No, I know it wasn't. I think it was on a cycle with Joffrey. 
And I think he threw it out front to Hordachuk. Yeah, I, I think it was like a simple cycle. Yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> it was good a good cycle. I remember my first cycle. shift, or my first or second shift in my first game, I got a plus one. I remember that. But then my third or fourth shift after that, I got a minus one. So I ended up even. So I remember those. <laughs> plus hey, that's a win in game one. Yeah. Even coming Vision out even period. to win. No, plus minus was was just nuts. But now playing with it still is a stats. So I shouldn't say it was nuts. Yeah, yeah. But playing with the Sedins, Kessler, Bieksa. I think Brooksy knows Bieksa pretty good. Uh, heck, even Leafs legend Matt Sundin. Okay, yeah. I grew up a Toronto fan. I know you're from Montreal, so I know that must some Montrealers who might tune into the show might want to mute me after. But obviously, being a Leaf fan growing up. You know, Sundin, you, Roberto Longo wasn't that when you were there. Now, yeah. I, he's going to be a GM in the NHL one day, that guy, I'm going to say. But you had a lot of big names play there. You must have some stories with those guys. I I, I always forget this, but I was there when they named him captain. Remember that? <laughs> That's right. They did name him. He's the, Remember that? Yeah, I do. He wore the C on his chin. Yeah, I think it was only my third or fourth day there, and they called everyone to the dressing room. And they, I think they announced, like, and we're going to name uh, Roberto. And I thought it was like, I look around, I'm like, is this a joke right now? Is this like, is this for real? Did they just name him the goalie captain? I, I didn't, because everything's so new and you don't know. Uh, yeah, I was there when they named him captain. It was nuts. Was it, was everyone shocked? Like, for real? I, they were like, Are you I, I, I don't know. I, I can, for me, I was. <laughs> no one's ever named a goalie captain. Like, what? That's, that's so unreal. Brooks, you never seen that? Oh, it's unheard of. <laughs> Yeah, I've never yeah, seen it. Weird. I actually forgot about that, actually. I know. I never I, – I always forget that. That's like my second or third time I mentioned that. Yeah, that's that's cool that you were there to remember that, though, too. Right? Yeah, yeah, it was random. That, that, is, that is so cool. Now, you know, the, the, going to the Coyotes, uh, before I go over uh, to Brooksy, the 2011, you, you, you left Vancouver. You signed in Arizona, Phoenix at the time. Now it's called Arizona. I'll just make sure I keep calling it Arizona. Uh, you signed yeah. a one-year two-way deal. So what influenced you to go over to Arizona? What was that that spark? Was it the hot weather in the desert? <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, kind of. No, uh, I, for me, it was the best, I thought, opportunity to make it full-time. Mm-hmm. I was tired of the up and down, and I – you know, I went from uh, I played in the finals that year before, like the, with the we were we we played we finished first the though like we were top team in the the whole season. We won the trophy, uh, President's Trophy. Yeah. Um. So I wanted to play on a team that wasn't so good. You know, uh, oh, no offense. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds bad. That's funny. But I wanted um, a better chance to make it, and uh, I, I thought Arizona. Or then they seemed interested, and you know it sounded like a, a good opportunity. But I wanted a, a chance, like just play full time. Yeah. yeah, more chance to play. Yeah, and well, yeah, exactly. When you're going to a team like that, it gives you a real good opportunity. And uh, you know, I mean, I think it was a good move. And starting fresh uh, too, worked you know? out. Yes, but I want to talk about you know. Obviously, I, I got a guy I know is a good friend of mine is Paul Bissonnette. You know, obviously he's everywhere right now. He's you know doing everything you know yeah. what's your experience with him getting i knew him from growing up from when he was a young guy uh you know i just want to know a little bit about him you had him whitney yandel Doan, like what a locker room some great guys and some great personalities yeah you know what's fun and i think those guys are what make them so good now is they're just being themselves like whitney and even when yandel's on there and biz like you know, Biz is a character always. Like he's just is man. He's super social. Like I wish he, I wish I was that impressive. Like when he goes out, he's like you know the mayor. 
Um, so it was cool um, hanging out with him a little bit in Arizona and seeing, like, uh, you know, how popular he is. And a lot of people would not even ask about Dawn or Verbata. Like, when I got back, it'd be, how's Biz? How's Biz? Like, you know, he's so popular. And um, I don't watch their show a ton, but the times I do watch Mint Chicklets, it's cool, man. Like, it, you know, they uh, they just shoot the shit. And it's like sitting in the locker room again. So it's fun to listen to them. And I think that's why they're so popular, just being themselves. And they're cool dudes when they played, and they're cool dudes now. Did you think he was going to be a, like, not, I guess you wouldn't think he would be this way, but did he have this, did he come across, I guess what I say as having the sociability of being yeah. a, someone like a podcaster? Like, was that known rate with being in the locker room with him? I guess Brooks, you would know yeah. the answer too, but <laughs> was that something that you realized yeah. Alex with, with playing on his team? Yeah, no, for sure. I think he was even, I, I think he was, you know, just smart enough to foresee himself. I think he was interjecting himself like, as he was still playing a little bit or still in the marriage, like doing some broadcasts and stuff, you know, he's smart. And what he's doing now is amazing. And uh, I think he, I don't know if he could have predicted how big he is now, but like, you know, he, I think he had it planned and I think he was excited for his after the game uh, plans and he's, he's killing it. Yes. Now well, it's I want- so funny. Cause we used to have, well, before you go on there, Dave, yeah, like, yeah. we used to have these summer skates and stuff and, and Bisonette's quite uh, a few years younger than me. We'll say to be, respectful to my own age but uh, we i remember when he'd come in the room and we'd always be like who the fuck is this guy because he would come in as this young kid and say whatever was on his mind he would chirp guys he'd chirp older guys younger guys it didn't matter so when all i saw all this stuff starting and then when he was chirping himself with all the shirts that he was making i was just like oh my god like it's just like you could just see it skyrocket because no one ever really got mad at him everyone always said who the fuck is this guy? Yeah, he, yeah, he got a lot of passes for sure. But you know, he was on my under eighteen team too when we won gold. He was on, he was on that team. So he was, he was like a pretty high end guy. I think he's second rounder, I think. Yeah, I no, fourth party. rounder. But he, he was like a pretty big deal, like uh, coming up too. I didn't you know. know. I forgot well, yeah. that he won a gold medal with the under. Yeah, he was on my team that year. That's so true. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's so funny. A lot of people don't know he's actually not a bad player. Like, you know what I mean? Because <laughs> well, he, he was a D back then. Play, have... Yeah, he was. He definitely was. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. Look at learning things as we go here. That's that's yeah. hilarious. Now, Arizona. I'm gonna flat out say, and I I I know we have listeners that probably like. That probably, I say probably rudely, but like Arizona, they're playing in a college arena this season. The time we were recording, they're in the mullet arena, whatever you want to call the mullet forum. I like calling it as a joke. I think that's more catchy. Uh, the You played there, and when, when, you, when you were there, this was a team that was technically a playoff potential type team because you had Mike Smith in that, you had Don't. Yeah. You know, the, the, they weren't like a slam dunk, a first seed, Boston Bruins at the time, or even Vancouver, stuff like that. But you played in there when they had some winnings. You know, they talk about the fan base is what I'm getting to. Okay. Sorry, sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. No, yeah, no, the fan base. I just want to know because it, it's the worst fan base in hockey. It, ha- it has to be in terms of loyalty. They get, they're in a college arena now. They're play- now they get more. It seems like they get more people. But when they were playing their previous arena last year, getting 2,000, 3,000 a night, here with the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds, we get more people than the, yeah. the Coyotes do. It, it's, and Bettman's just investing all of his time into saving Arizona so bad, right? Like it's yeah. you played there. Uh, you can talk about it. Well, yeah, I, you know what? To me, it was still the NHL, though. Like I, you know, like playing in that arena. It was a beautiful arena. Um, I think 
the, the organization was solid uh, to me, but like, I'm not going to complain about, I mean, I was there 12,000 fans, 25,000. I didn't care. Um, I loved it there. The fans that were there were super dedicated. Um, I, I don't know. I, I heard good things about them playing in Mount or Mullet Arena, whatever. I haven't talked to any of the guys that have done it or how it is for real, but it seems like they're enjoying it or, you know, so um, I don't know. It, I, I like my time. It was, uh, and, and when I was there, I, sorry, that's why I was cut you off before was uh, we made it to the third round that year. Yeah. You know, so that was like, I wasn't playing, but I was always right, always right on the edge of uh, being in there. So I was traveling with the team and, uh, so I was always, uh, it was a pretty cool experience. And, uh, man, Mike Smith was unbelievable that year. And, uh, you know, it got pretty intense uh, all the way to this. Against LA, we lost there in the conference finals there. The whiteouts. They had the whiteouts. Yeah, it was cool. The yeah. Fan, they actually sold out a lot of games. People yeah. don't remember that, but they, they, they sold out every game in that playoff season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was cool. I, I, so, I mean, I saw that was a really cool run. Unexpected. We beat Chicago that, that year. Uh, so yeah, it was a it was a cool run. Yeah, Mike Smith was uh, on it. Now, yeah, he was something else. Oh, he yeah. Too bad he's uh you know gonna be. Seems like his playing days are, if not probably most likely done because of yeah. this current time recording is on the LTIR. Brooksy, I had to go over to you for the final topic before we wrap it up. Time flies when you're having fun. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah, obviously, you know, I want to get into this topic because it's always exciting, and I know you got a few stories for sure, and it's you know, making that transition to Europe. And, uh, you know, for myself, I went to Norway first before I went, then went to Switzerland, but you went right to the KHL, right to the heart of Russia. I just want to hear a little bit about this, uh, and, and your time playing there. I didn't just like, I didn't just ease into the pool on that one. Like I went full on, like, Hey, show me that contract. Okay, sign, sign me up. I'll be there with bells on with the, for that amount of money. Um, and little, and then of course they were late paying me, and um, so I show up there. Oh fuck! Yeah, this is oh man, bring me it back. So <laughs> my, our first exhibition game, something happens in the second period, like a dirty hit. I like, I don't know why. I just jump the boards and I take off after the guy fight the guy for like a long ass time it felt like a three minute fight probably a minute but um it, okay so whatever clears off i don't get kicked out of the game somehow but whatever so finish finish the exhibition game i think in my head i was like well you know what at least for now i won't have to fight for at least the rest of the exhibition i think you know i'm good for a little bit now sean's a little crazy sean i'm willing to do any anything for the team so next game i don't score now third game Third exhibition game, I get a little tap on the shoulder. He goes, uh, and this is like within two minutes of the game starting. He goes, go ask that Meglinski, Megalinski guy who's like six foot eight, whatever, and fight. I'm like, all right, but you didn't do anything. I, not that I was afraid of him or anything, but what's the point? And I've had two, sh- uh, two shoulder surgeries. I'd rather just choose my fights and in the season at least. So I just caught, I just say, hey, yeah, can I just wait until he does something stupid? If he does, I promise I'll fight. He goes, you sure you want to fight him now? I go, I'd rather save my shoulder for the season. He goes, oh, okay. I don't play again for the rest of the game. Uh, next game, healthy scratch. And uh, I think they were trying to, like, get rid of me after that. Like, uh, there was the beginning of the end for me there almost. Like, as soon as I said I didn't want to fight that one time, and then uh, they sent me down to the second league after a few games. And, oh, it was a nightmare. 
Oof. But I, I want to talk to you about, you said, you know, you had trouble. You weren't getting paid all the money for the contract that you ha- uh, that yeah. you were supposed to get paid. How do you handle something like that? Like, because I know the rules are different over there. So I'm just curious, you know, how did you go about that, trying to get your money? So, so there's like certain periods of the year. If you get past the first, first period, then they owe you 50% of your contract. If you get past this point, then they owe you 75. I had already gone past where they owe me at least 50. So then... So I was like, I don't care. Then don't play me. You'll still pay me. So then, but they weren't playing me. Then they sent me down to the second league where they wouldn't even fly me with the team. I would have to fly separate in in the middle of Russia trying to figure out what meant what. And they, each team had their own plane normally, but they wouldn't even let me fly with the team anymore because they were trying to get me to take the buyout. But I was like, no, I want my 50. I'll stay until give me my 50%. The buyout was less than 50. So I was like saying or thinking at the time, I, I'll just tough it out. Uh, after like uh, no, two weeks of like being by myself <laughs> on the plane and then in the hotel room by myself. And it was just like, all right, I'll take the buyout. <laughs> yeah, there's like, there's like, there's like no rules over there. Right. Yeah. They it was like, they, they, told, so they were the like, oh, we'll, just, we'll get this guy to take it. Don't worry. Oh, yeah. Eventually <laughs> he's going to give in. Eventually. Yeah, yeah, and I did. <laughs> or we'll, or we'll shoot him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's about to get lost somewhere in Russia eventually. Like he's just taking flights by himself. Like, like, I, oh my god, uh, my, uh, I, I couldn't even explain it to my buddies. They're dying. Oh, we heard like so many stories in turn. I think I forget who was telling the story. Brooksy was it? David Ling or Yablonski might even be telling the story about guns. Uh, there's a guns room where you walk in and people with guns are by the door guarding the owner. You're going out with shots with the owner. Like it's, it's I think not, that was Gillies. That was Gillies. Yeah, it was time. Gillies. Okay. That was good. There's some stories you hear Alex and you're just like, Holy, that's a different universe. <laughs> like, is this you know, like, I used to think a lot of it was like, yeah, okay. Like, you know, a little, uh, little exaggeration, but no, a lot of them is like real. Like a lot of the airports and the flights and whoa, it was uh there's some sketchy stuff up there, man. Now I'll take I'll jump in this one for Brooksy. The between the Dell and the KHL, we know I, I think I know what you're gonna answer for this, but what league did you find that you were more of a fit for as a player? Like let's say the KHL was all hunky dory and it was so enjoyable. And if the Dell, you know, and the Dell enjoyable, both of them are equally enjoyable in that uh, that type of world. What league do you think was a better fit for you as a player? I think that Dell for me, yeah, um, man, that KHL was they were good. Like you needed some serious, serious skill, and you're playing against a lot of skill. The bigger ice surface, I thought would be okay, but I like the smaller ice surface a lot more. I think you know, you get a little bit of you can beat a guy a lot easier. I thought it'd be a lot more offensive out there. It's not KHL was tough to score, you know, and the pressure was a lot too. I thought I thought I could go, you know, make a little bit of money, take the pressure off being called. No, the pressure was almost worse in Russia. I thought. And uh, Jeremy was, like, really nice. My son was born in Germany, um, so that was a cool – I had a bad injury, which kind of, uh, you know, made me miss a lot of time there. But it was a good uh, it was a good experience all in all, and I would – yeah, Dell was amazing. KHLs, I would recommend – if you go to the right spots in Russia, I would recommend that. Uh, but then Dell is amazing too. Yeah, see the you heard the Dell. There's a lot of good leagues over there, and we have some. Yeah, yeah, in yeah. Switzerland to see to travel, yeah. still play the game, and see the beauty of Europe. 
Yeah. You, you know, I, no offense to, to the KHL or Russia. I feel like I've heard a lot more positive scenery stories about the Dell more than Russia. Uh, yeah. So I feel like that'd probably be the place to throw it uh, the best recommendation, but there's so many leagues to play in and so much opportunity. If it's higher level, mid level, lower level, if you want to play the game and you just love playing the game, there is options if you're truly good enough to play. Yeah, yeah, you can ride it out for like if you want, but it's just a little, it's, a, it's hard on your family, you know. It's yeah. it, it, you're away from your or your family's away from their family, or you're away from your family. It, it, so it's it, it's how long you want to ride the dream out, I guess, or if your family's all right with being away from their family and stuff. So yeah, yeah, it depends. Yeah, absolutely, you're definitely a long ways from home, but uh, you know that's one thing I loved about playing in Switzerland, the top league. I think my furthest road trip was three hours. And I think I, I heard was, the best things. You play the Spangler too, right? You, yeah, 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 yeah. That was a, a cool experience. Times, yeah. so, I, so I got to, oh, I yeah, got to see Switzerland there. I, and I, I would have liked to play there uh, maybe before Russia. But at the time, I thought I had a couple offers from both leagues. I thought I chose Russia. And then those Switzer, Switzerland offers are tough to get. And they evaporated pretty quick after those couple of years in Russia. So I, I would have liked to go and play there. I heard great things, man. So I wish, but, you know, bittersweet. Yeah, it's the beauty of Europe. Gotta love it. Yeah. See, Brooks, you lived the dream playing a thousand games, man. That's a combination of the AHL and the Europe. But uh, there's uh, able to travel and play the game. Both of you is being able to travel and play the game as long as you did. You know, you you did live the dream and have you enjoyed doing it, right? And that that's the whole point. Now it's all laughs. That's why we're talking about it now. That's yeah. why I'd still yeah. do it if I could. <laughs> if I could still do it, I'd still be playing. <laughs> Are you playing men's league? Are you playing at men's league, Alex? Do you play any men's league or anything like that? I haven't touched my equipment in like two years since I retired. I Really, eh? uh, do you have any plans to, or are you just like, not yet? No, I'm starting watching it again, though, but not, uh, I haven't been. I'll go on the ice with my son, uh, but even then, he's out in California right now, so I haven't touched my equipment in a while. Yeah. I don't plan on it, it goes yet. quick, it goes quick. <laughs> yeah. Get on that ice, it's not the same as it used to be. That's, oh, that's what I'm afraid of. I think. <laughs> You know what we should do, Brooksy, when we go up to the Living Sisu tournament in the summer for Vakali, and we need that third guy, we should be inviting Alex Bolduc to that. Oh, yeah. that get, him, get him out of retirement. Get him out of retirement. Send a couple gift certificates. <laughs> oh, yeah. We'll bring it for the party instead. Uh, that's awesome. Well, Alex, you know, this This has been a really fun time, and time really flies. We're having fun. I said that about 15 minutes ago, uh, and it's been a good time uh, catching yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate of it. Of course. Yeah, it's been awesome having you, and uh, we'd love to have you again sometime. And yeah, I, won't, I won't steal the whole thunder of the conclusion. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, always. Hey, he's always stealing thunder, that guy over there. <laughs> but, uh, you know, thanks again. You know, it's great to see you. It's been many, many years. So uh, I wish you all the best with your company. And, uh, you know, we're definitely going to support it here with our with us. So uh, I wish you all yeah. the best and uh, look forward to staying in touch with you. Awesome, guys. Man, great podcast, guys. Thanks. Awesome. Glad you enjoyed it. And hopefully you enjoyed it, listeners. Make sure you hit like, follow, and subscribe and all the platforms of the Game Sports Show and the Game Entertainment Media, the TGM YouTube channel, which is our podcast categorized network platform, which is brand new. And obviously, the Game Sports Show has been around since 2016. Many podcasts to be able to enjoy, including this terrific content that we provide on the special edition upload. We're all over the place, in particular, Facebook and Instagram and TikTok for social media. Yes. I said TikTok. That is that is a thing. Also, what is that? <laughs> some sort. We're gonna do TikTok dances soon. I think uh, thegamesportshow.com. 
make sure you check that out as well. For On behalf of Brendan Brooks and, of course, yours truly, Dave McKay, I want to say thank you again to Alex Ballou for taking the time and to you again, the listeners. I'm here to remind you also to keep your stick on the ice, swing your bats, catch your touchdowns, drain your threes, and shoot your shots. Booyah.